always people who never understand King Jesus. And uh, that's kind of what our story is about today. And hopefully I get this right button this time. Last week I found out my husband informed me that I pushed the wrong button. Nothing new under the sun. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we're looking today at this picture. Here's the question. Now this one's been around a long time. There's a lot of pictures that do this. Who sees an older woman? Hands up, older woman. Who sees a young woman? Oh, you see both. You're just playing there, right? Sometimes you can see both. Um, sometimes you need a little help to see both. Somebody would have to help you out. Why, why do I do that? Because the truth of it today is we see things differently, right? We see things, our perspective is different. And today we'll see in our passage uh, that Jesus is teaching now in parables. We mentioned that a little bit last week. And moving forward, we're going to see more and more about parables, that he's using parables to teach. And so there seems to be, as we've talked about, we heard Margie read it, there are the outsiders and the insiders. We've been looking at that in the Gospel of Mark, those that are inside, those that are outside. And so those that are inside, as we'll look in a bit, will understand the mysteries of the kingdom. Some, some of your versions would say the secrets, but they believe the actual word is closer, the mysteries of the kingdom, while those that are outside see something completely different, and they don't see it the same. We know that Jesus is now back at the lakeside again, and at this time there's still a great crowd, and we're told so much so again that Jesus decides to again uh, go in the boat and teach from the boat. And so you see here now that Jesus is trying to emphasize and do his training and his teaching. And so this uh, very familiar, right, parable, as we've heard and we heard the video today, he says, listen, look, the sower went out to sow. We see that in verse 3. I like what uh, Barclay uh, said about a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So a parable is a comparison. So Jesus is taking everyday life uh, situations, scenarios, and as he takes those, he's now trying to teach you a, a secret of heaven, a secret of the kingdom. And so this is what he's doing, right, is this comparison. And that this truth may be grasped. And we can ask ourselves, why would Jesus use parables? Well, he's trying to spark interest. He's trying to get his listeners to move in closer, trying to make sense of it. So Jesus is drawing them in. And we said, it's a mystery. It's not a puzzle to be solved. It is a mystery. And it is those that have faith in Jesus who believe, who are his disciples, who are insiders, that these mysteries of the kingdom are for them. And so then Jesus goes and he quotes a difficult part of this passage is in verse 12. Jesus is quoting a passage from Isaiah 6, verses 9 to 10, talking about people never getting it. And some people have interpreted, well, then God doesn't want them to get the message. And that is not the truth. God wants all people to get the message. But it's the reality of people why they don't get the message. It is their own issues why they don't get the message. They're blinded by prejudice, they're defeated by wishful thinking, or they're just too lazy to think for themselves. I've, I said it this way, it's like when we say, it's like trying to talk to a brick wall. 
right? That's basically what Jesus is saying here. Though the word has been coming and coming to God's people, uh, to all people, like Isaiah was preaching, some people just don't listen to God. What's the seed? The seed is the word, right? And it's referred to as the logos. And, uh, and so as we think about the logos, actually that first uh, chapter of John made it very clear. John said it this way, in the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was the word. And the logos was with God, and the logos was God. And so Jesus is now the word. Jesus is the seed that's trying to be planted And so often when we think about word, we think about this word, right? And that's where we kind of can lose sight of what the emphasis of this passage is. See, this, this is the written word, and the purpose of the written word is that you might have an encounter with who? The word, who is the Logos. And the Holy Spirit takes this as you read it, and he wants you to have an experience with Jesus Christ. Yes, it's important to know the written word. Yes, it's important to memorize it and be able to quote it. But if you haven't had an experience with the word, you've missed the point of this. Because this has been written that you might know the word, the seed of God, Jesus Christ. And so today's parable is about a familiar story, isn't it, for us in West Prince. The farmer went to plant seed. I think there's probably a few farmers that are already starting to plan a little, you think? Or you don't even want to think about it. No comments. They're all being very quiet. I can see their eyes kind of do something there behind the masks. <clears throat> so, so there's this reality of the spring. We see it here, don't we? Them going out to plant the seed. And we're told that the seed is the word of God and it's good seed. Praise God for good seed. <laughs> You don't want to be putting bad seed out in the field. You want good seed because you want the ultimate yield, right? You want the best yield that you can have. So we're told that the seed is good. What this parable about is not about the seed. What's it about? It's about the condition of the soil. It's about where it's planted and how the soil receives it. And so that's really what this parable is about. And so the first thing that we see is that there's the condition of the path, the hardened path. So the way they would sow seed in those days is they had a bag and they would spread it. They would walk the field and spread it. And it would be right after it had been plowed. So right after it had been plowed, the soil is open and ready to receive the seed. And and then they would turn it over after. But the problem was there were uh, footpaths between the fields. And those footpaths were so when the crops started to come up, they could walk through and access the different fields. And those footpaths had become very, very hard. And the reality is that as they were walking and throwing the seed, some of it would get on the footpath. But guess who was waiting? (laughs) The birds were watching, and the birds would come and swoop down and eat up all that seed that was on the footpaths, the hardened soil. Jesus explains to his disciples, the insider, in verse 15, what he's talking about. He said, these are ones who have heard the word, but have hardened hearts. They're, They're against the message Therefore, the gospel has never been able to take root. And the evil one comes in and swoops down and snatches it 
before the good news can penetrate anywhere. There's no impact on that heart. And we need to realize today that there are some people whose hearts are so hardened that they will not receive the Christian truth. It can't seem to find an entry into their hearts. That's why we pray the power of prayer when we say, God, would you soften? What do we pray? God, would you soften their hearts? We're asking that the Holy Spirit would begin to do a work in their lives, that their hearts would begin to be softened, that they could receive the word. And so, unfortunately, the gospel is not able to take root. I like what somebody said. They explained it this way. There are some people whose hearts are so hard that the Christian truth can't find entry. Christianity fails to make an impact, not because they are hostile, but because they're indifferent. So true. They couldn't care less. It's irrelevant to them. They don't want Jesus, they don't want the faith, and they don't care. That's basically what we're saying about the soil that received the seed that is hardened like a footpath. It is so hard the seed cannot penetrate. Then we know there's the seed that fell on rocky places. Now, many of you know I'm a Newfoundlander. Anyone maybe new listening in today? And the Newfoundland is called what? The rock. Guess what? There's a lot of rock in Newfoundland. And the one thing you don't see too much is gardens. I don't think I've ever seen a garden, a vegetable garden, growing up as a child in Newfoundland. Now, the one thing I did see traveling up to St. Anthony's is that the Newfoundlanders had their vegetable gardens on the side of the highway. I guess they found that was the best soil. It was probably trucked in to do, probably trucked in to do the highway, and so you'll be driving all the way up to St. Anthony's, and over here is somebody's little plot of land right down in the ditch, and over there is another, and they're growing potatoes and a few other things there, because the truth of it is, where there's rock, you're not going to get very far with a garden, and so this is telling us that over in Palestine, it was very similar. They had limestone, and in some areas, you wouldn't be able to tell, but it was just a very thin covering of soil over the limestone. And so you would plow it, and then you would sow the seed, and it looked great. Actually, it would germinate even quicker than the other seeds, and it would pop up, and the farmer would get all excited. But that hot Palestinian sun would begin to heat up that limestone that was underneath, and as it heated up the limestone, there was no moisture for those seeds. They had no deep roots, and so that seed would shrivel up and die. Jesus explains in verse 16, he reminds the listener about the shallow hearts. We use the word superficial. <laughs> what does superficial mean? No depth. You can scratch the surface. These were the people who had received the word and begin to allow the word to sprout up in their lives, but they're not willing to do the work that is needed to go down deep into their faith. And the word has not yet penetrated to produce the change and regeneration that God wants in their lives. They started off well. See, I always say it's not how you start. It's how you finish that matters. And they started off well, but then all of a sudden the heat of trials and tribulations and the cost of following Jesus kicked in, and they just shriveled up because of that. I like what Barclay said. Barclay says it takes about 5% effort to win a man to Christ or win a woman to Christ. 
but it takes 95% effort to keep them in Christ and growing in maturity. That is the key, my friends. See, when the going got tough, they just didn't show up. (laughs) They left. They were gone. We see that. We talked about that, that Jesus had that happen to him when he started uh, being persecuted, when Jesus started teaching, difficult teaching. There was a lot of people that just thought, I've had enough of this, and they left him. See, for us, we have to realize there's a lot of people attracted initially to the gospel message, but they've never allowed it to go beyond just surface for them, to be an insider. For Jesus, it's all or nothing, always has been. It's not a little bit of Jesus and everything else. For Jesus, it is all or nothing. He demands total commitment from us. Then there's the seed that is sown among thorns. And so thorn bushes were, you know, we've got, <laughs> we've got the red dogwood down in Shelton that we've been trying to get rid of. And of course, the only way you can get rid of it is you dig it out deep, right? Which we haven't done. And Pastor Mike's been working hard and he goes out with his old lawnmower that keeps going, keeps on ticking. And he drives over that stuff and keeps it down low. So you wouldn't know <clears throat> it's there. But the moment you stop cutting it, guess what? It pops up. Same thing with these thorns. They would burn fields to get rid of it. They would, they would uh, cut it down low. But the problem was that once you planted it and you put the seed in it, then the plants would begin to come up. But guess what came up with them? The thorns came up, and the thorns would overpower the plants. And so they looked great for a while. But Jesus emphasizes something here. The thorns came up, and they didn't produce any fruit. What's the point of seed? To make fruit, to become fruitful, to multiply. And so the seed wasn't able to multiply because the thorns came up and choked the very life out of them. Jesus explains what this is all about in verse 18. He says, this is the person who received the gospel but has, uh, has competition for worldly desire. This is the person who wants Jesus and the things of the world. Uh, it's not enough to potentially produce the life of the seed, and it begins to develop. But for them, the message of the gospel is great, but then all of a sudden, cares and worries come their way, and they just kind of get distracted, and they get pulled away with competing priorities. See, this person has not yet placed the kingdom of God first and above everything else in their lives. And I want to tell you, my friends, I think this is an area that can really affect the church of today if we're not careful, that bit by bit, the kingdom of God gets choked out. We've seen it time and time in the church. We've seen it time and time again in people's lives who are very committed and godly people that all of a sudden the cares of this world or things get happening, get involved, and before you know it, it just chokes the very life out of them. See, it's so easy to pack our lives with so much. You know, the actual word here that is used in the Greek, the phrase that's used here is actually deceptive pleasure. Deceptive pleasure. How deceptive pleasure can get hold of us and take over. Now, here, I'm going to tell you something, and I've been challenged with it. I'm 59. This will be my 60th year, God willing, if I get that far in October. 
And there is a malaise that is hitting the 50s and 60-year-olds that we feel that we've worked hard all our lives and we've been busy in the church and we've done all these things. And if we're not careful, a little slumber, a little peace, sit back and relax. They're finding in North America that that's a challenge in the church, that that's the very thing that can come and hit us at this generation if we're not careful, is our lives can get so filled with so many things and so busy. And there's some of them that are in the sandwich generation where you're trying to deal with grandkids and you're trying to deal with elderly parents that in the midst of it, you're like, well, where's the time for the things of God? He'll understand And before you know it, the very life-giving force, that seed of God, is being choked out of your life. And there's no fruit. This is what Jesus is telling us to be careful, to keep our priorities straight, to stay alert, to pay attention. Yes, God wants to bless us. God wants us to experience great and good things. But we need to make sure that we are keeping his kingdom First, got quiet all of a sudden. Seed that fell on good soil. Praise the Lord, we got there. And the seed germinates and matures. Jesus doesn't say a whole lot here, does he? He says, and the seed germinates and matures. The roots go down deep and they multiplied 30 times and 60 times and 100 times. See, there's three things here. Very quickly, you see it matures. So there's aspect that the seed is there to mature and to grow. It gets its roots, as the seed matures, it gets its roots down deep into the things of God. And then that automatically, if you, like see, this is what it's saying, if you get your roots down deep, if you're maturing in your faith, you will multiply. It says it right here. It just happens. It happens naturally. Jesus is saying, if you plant seed on good soil right? And it begins to mature, and it's healthy, and it gets its roots down deep. You are sure of what? A harvest. And that's what Jesus is saying here, that if we allow the Word of God, Christ himself, to come into our lives, and we're willing to mature in our faith, and we're willing to get our roots down deep, we are guaranteed that there will be a harvest, that our faith will multiply. I thought that would be an amen there, but anyway. So what makes the fourth soil so good? Very simple. It hears, really listens, takes to heart, because it understands, right? And allows the kingdom to take full root in their heart. See, the condition of one's heart is like good soil, and it will produce fruit of a kingdom life. That's why the word tells us to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Make sure you keep your hearts clean. Make sure you keep your hearts pure. That's why we talk about it's so important to forgive when you need to forgive and to forget when you need to forget and just to keep our hearts pure before the Lord. If we sin, if we sin, it doesn't become a norm for our lives, but if we sin, praise God, we have an advocate, and we confess and we repent to keep this pure and clean. So my heart is the proper condition to receive the word, to receive him the word, and that I will have my faith continue to mature. You know what that says to me? I might think I'm mature yesterday, but I'm not mature enough. He said it, you said it. I can still be a better Christian tomorrow, right? 
And no matter how deep I have my roots, my roots can still go down deeper into the things of God. And that's why it's so important for us to realize that God wants to do that work in us. Now, one thing we need to learn from this, all the preaching and the sharing that you do, there will be different responses. That's what this passage tells us. See, we we think that everyone should just like that get the message, right? And the truth of it is, Jesus is telling us here, not so, not so, that there are, it has everything to do with the condition of people's hearts. You can have the good seed, Christ, and you can sow. Nothing wrong with you as a sower. It has to do with the condition of hearts. And so we have to realize that there are some who will hear it and forget. They don't care. There are those who are enthusiastic and we get excited, but it's short term. It's not lived out. Some have too much else in their minds and they were very much excited and part of it, but now they're gone to deal with their cares and their worries. Praise God, though, there are some who are fruitful and some who receive the word and are fruitful indeed. Praise God, the power is in the seed, not in us, the sowers. It is in the seed. We have our responsibility to make sure our hearts are good soil, but God has called us also what? To sow. Now, there's a good picture for you, how they used to do potato farming. I like that one. We're all called to sow. If we are in Christ, if we're insiders, if we are disciples of Christ, we're all called to sow. All of us, every one of us, we continue to share our faith. We continue to share the seed, Jesus Christ, with other people. We need to have patience. Just like I believe some of your greatest people of faith and patience are our farmers. Because they, in faith, sow the seed and then they have to wait. And it's the same thing for us, that we need to sow the gospel and the good news and continue to share it, knowing that we will receive different responses. But one thing is sure, the harvest, my friend, is sure. God's word promises that to us. See, I believe sometimes we can get discouraged. I think Jesus here, his disciples were starting to get discouraged. They, they had seen what happened in Jerusalem, and they were trying to kill him, and they had to leave. Remember last week, the scribes came down and called him, what, the devil. And, and they're seeing these reversed, all kinds of responses, and they're getting discouraged. And so Jesus is telling them this parable to encourage them to say there's going to be different responses. Don't worry about that. I'm the seed. The father is the sower. Now you're called to go and so as well. The growth is the Lord's. It's not yours. It's not your responsibility. What you are called to do is sow and leave it with God. You have no power over anything else, but you must continue to sow. Don't get discouraged. And if we sow, the harvest is sure. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. So you sow and you leave the growing with God. I love this picture. It spoke to me this week. Think you can't make a difference? Look what a mere seed can do. One seed is what caused that breaking of that rock, no matter how hard it was. That gives me hope for hardened hearts. 
Someone said it this way, it may seem that much of our effort achieves no result. It may seem that much of our labor is wasted. In many places, it seems like his message has failed. They were discouraged. We can be discouraged. But this parable said to them, and it says to us today, be patient, my friends. Do your work unto the Lord. Sow the seed and leave the rest to God. The harvest is sure. I like what somebody said, the ministry of the gospel is worthwhile. Now, I'm saying that after 30-something years of ministry. The ministry of the gospel is worthwhile, intrinsically valuable, independently fruitful, and totally unpredictable. So why should we think first about these three seeds? It's important for us to see why they failed. There isn't anything wrong with the seed. We've said that. There isn't anything wrong with the sower. It has to do with the condition of the heart. Check our hearts today. We need to not be unreceptive to what God is wanting to teach us and show us, even in the midst of a pandemic. Are you open to what God wants to teach you? Others are superficial. Some are too preoccupied. And even those who are receptive can see different effects, whether it be 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times. So I have to ask you the question today, what's the condition of your heart when you look at these four seeds? I pray you can say, Lord, it is good soil. We have to ask that. I remember when we went to Bible school in European Nazarene Bible College uh, in Busingen, Germany, and we started off in Theology 101. And I guess there was about 20 of us in that class. The classroom was full. We were all excited. We were just called into ministry, and everybody was sharing what God had put on their hearts. Lots of excitement. And, and so we, when I think about that today, when we came to graduation to finish the education, there was a handful of us. Right? And sadly to say today, even out of that handful, there's only a few still in ministry today. That is the reality if we're not careful. That is why I've always loved this statement from Eugene Peterson, and he has a book under this title, I believe. It's about a long obedience, you've heard me say it before, in the same direction. That's what it's about, my friends. A long obedience, patiently sowing, patiently checking our hearts and making sure it is good soil and we're pure before the Lord, and just doing, keeping on, keeping on. Uh, Pastor Mike and I have prayed for the Lord to help us during COVID to be an unanxious presence, to not be flighty, to not be one week over here and next week over there, but by God's grace to be an unanxious presence in the midst of a storm. And I believe by the power of his Holy Spirit, he can do that. Because really, it's about a long obedience in the same direction. This also tells us that it's about, as we said, we're all called to sow. How have you been doing with sowing? Getting discouraged? Getting discouraged that you're not seeing the results that you would like to see? But I'm so thankful today that Jesus tells us through this parable that the harvest is sure. That that harvest is coming and has come. 
And we know in other places he says, Lord, the cry out to the Lord of the harvest, right? That the laborers are few, that he would send the workers where? Into the harvest to bring the harvest in. Every day God is bringing forth a harvest if we have the eyes to see it. You know, do you ever realize that Jesus was a mathematician? Because here he gives us the math. You think about it for a moment, right? Say you have a thousand seeds, and you take that thousand seeds and you sow it. Now we can get discouraged because three quarters of it, what? Is lost. But a quarter of it fell on good soil. That's what he wants us to look at. A quarter of it fell on good soil. And that quarter that fell on good soil, 250 seeds, times it by 100, is what? 25,000. See, there's a multiplication that happens in the kingdom of God that if we do what we're called to do and we just sow and leave the rest to God, God continues to further his kingdom and multiply it and touch hearts and touch lives that go out and touch other hearts and lives. And the kingdom is moving forward, whether we have the eyes to see it or not. Jonathan Chapman, one of the men we might like to think of and thank for spreading is the apple tree in America, is Jonathan Chapman. You know him as Johnny Appleseed. It's quite interesting because you'll see a lot of historical pictures of him, and he's always got the Bible in one hand and the sack of seeds in the other. I just thought, isn't that interesting? And he was not a legend. Some people think he was a legend. He was actually a real man who was born in Massachusetts back in 1774. And he set out alone into the unexplored wilderness that is now Ohio, Indiana, and western Pennsylvania. And he had a sack of apple seeds. And you know where he got these apple seeds? He got them out of the garbage. There were cider mills in Massachusetts, and they would take the seeds and throw them out as garbage, and he would go there and collect those seeds and put them in his sack, and then he would begin to travel, and he began to travel out in the wilderness, and as he traveled out in the wilderness, he just planted seeds and planted more seeds and continued to do this throughout his lifetime. He would actually go and retrace his steps and even prune the apple trees, when he find them, the ones that he had planted, he keep pruning them. And it's just so amazing that although he died, when he died in 1846, he covered more than 100,000 square miles with apple trees. That's quite something. One person taking one life to sow and what a yield. I thought, if that's so true for Johnny Appleseed, how much more true for us who sow the gospel of Christ? There will be a wonderful yield, my friends. One day when we enter into his kingdom, we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe that old song, Ray Bolt's song, that we used to sing, and we used to have a pantomime group that would act it out, that says, thank you for giving to the Lord. That story of people coming up and saying, you don't know, but the one you shared your faith to, who shared their faith, shared it with me. And I'm here today because you've been faithful. That's what the kingdom is about. That's what Jesus is wanting us to get this mystery today of the kingdom. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and I'll close with this statement. I love this statement. 
Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. That's an interesting statement. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you plant. Lord, would you help us today to have the tenacity like Johnny Appleseed (laughs) with the gospel of Christ to go and make a difference in the world we are around and sow seed and just sow it and leave it with you, Lord. The rest is yours. The growth is yours. Uh, But Lord, we do pray today that anyone that's listening today in the sound of my voice and even how I've had to check my own heart and life, I pray that we would be good soil, that we would not have hardened hearts, that the enemy would come and snatch the gospel, the word, that we would not be rocky on rocky soil where just trouble comes and we just dry up, Lord, because of it and walk away. Oh, God, we just pray that we would not be so concerned about the cares and the worries of this world, that we would just be uh, sidetracked like the thorns, God, and that, that, that any kind of trouble and difficulty, we just, God, we're just not bearing fruit because we're so distracted, sometimes distracted by good things. God, I pray today that our hearts would be ready soil to bring and receive, first of all, to receive the word, and then to bring forth the word, and to see a mighty harvest for your namesake, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen.